Coming up on the summer edition of the Big Footy Podcast, we talk all about the latest from the Asada investigation, what's going on from your local AGMs, and many, many, many more boring subjects. All that and more coming right up. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Big Footy Podcast, and you're listening to our summer edition. And tonight, uh, obviously, you're listening to the Wookiee, and with me, I have uh, the artist formerly known as the Prosecutor, currently running around as Og Cat. Good evening, Og Cat. How you doing? Yeah, good, mate. Seems like the rest of the crew are on summer holidays, rather timely. Yes, yes, they are. You will have noticed the change to the theme music at the start. We've gone from Magnum PI to Hawaii Five-O. Um, it's, we think it's a more summery feel. Yes, yes. We've got some very astute listeners out there who will no doubt pick up, pick up on that straight away. It's the older theme, so it's probably from before your time to, uh... Very much so. So, (laughs) (laughs) oddly enough, there has been a fair bit of news around the traps this week, and we're going to cover it all. But first off, we're at day three in the Adelaide Test against India. At Adelaide Oval, India are currently 5 for 369, chasing uh, Australia 7 for 517 declared. They currently trail by 148 runs. Uh, Kohli for India uh, was out from a Mitchell Johnson short ball, uh, four overs before the end of play for 115. He also retains his title with the world cricketer's most punchable face as well, so good on him. <laughs> good day all around. So it's, 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 it's uh, going, I think that's going to head for a draw. Um, personally, I don't see any way there's going to be a win out of that if that's all they're doing at the moment. So um, we head into AGM season and the and financials and things like that. But it's AGM stuff this week. Andrew Newbold uh, has been voted in for a three-year term as the Hawthorne president. This will be his final term under the club's constitution, where they can only serve two years. Um, Essendon have had their AGM, where they have currently uh, voted in two people, Paul Cousins, Catherine Leo, um, both backgrounds in digital media, apparently, and they were both announced last Thursday as successful candidates ahead of the general meeting, which was held on Monday. Oh, Cat, you're an Essendon member, or were an Essendon member, or are not going to be an Essendon member soon, depending on what you read on the board. What's your take on that? Yeah, well, it's good to see the lunatics are officially running the asylum now. Um, we've got two candidates who are elected off the back of uh, the infamous, uh, apparently unofficial Essendon supporters forum, Bomber Blitz. Uh, with the, Some people might recognise Paul Cousins from his role as the owner, founder, whatever you want to call it, of the Cheap, sheet, uh, cheap Seats, rather. Oh, which, is that him? Uh, yes, that's him. He is now an Essendon board member. Jeez, next thing you and know, Fog, Fog Dog yes. will get a seat on the board. Oh, he, him and uh, Reboot from Bomber Blitz will be on there in no time. Cerberus will be on the board. Uh, Ryan's will be uh, Ryan's nef- next cab off the rank, uh, <laughs> God forbid. 
that's probably what she's been doing. She's been rather absent from the board recently, so um, no doubt she's keeping herself busy with uh, potential board challenges, so good on her. Mm. And our second candidate, I believe, is Catherine. Is it Catherine? Catherine Leo. Yes, uh, from what I understand, she works um, in digital at Telstra, which I think she more deals with uh, the big pond stuff, which we all know is um, unadulterated crap. And uh, more or less, her campaign was based upon, and as Cousins was as well, uh, improved communications between the board and the um, the membership base. Uh, they didn't exactly give any ideas or plans how they'd do that, but of course, that sounded good. And uh, of probably more interest to everyone, they, they're both supporters of Herd. Cousins to the extent that he believes that on what he knows so far that he supports Herd, but is obviously open to uh, information that's been withheld from him or any forthcoming information, as opposed to Catherine, who is a bit more stringent and she believes no matter what happens with the players and no matter what uh, unfolds, that Herd should keep his job anyway. So, as I said, the lunatics are now running the asylum at Essendon if they weren't already. And we're going to cover the Asada stuff a little bit later in the podcast. Um, it's not really something we like to focus on here on the podcast, but it is still current news, so we will be talking about it later. Staff changes. Stephen Silvani in what has probably been the worst-kept secret ever. Yeah, it um, has been pretty open. Is <laughs> uh, officially now at Carlton after being announced today to take over the list manager role vacated by Wayne Hughes at Carlton. Wayne Hughes, I believe, is now headed to St Kilda, where he replaces Chris Pelchin. Could see he's moving up in the world. Yeah, <laughs> that's exactly right. I'm being serious. I mean, anywhere from Carlton's pretty good these days. Yes, but as we discussed before the podcast, Carlton's recruiting over the years has uh, well left many heads being scratched. Yes, and it so, continues to do. And Wayne Hughes was fairly well involved in that. Um, the Foxtel Cup has been cancelled. Uh, prosecutor. Uh, what a shame what a shame apparently the logistics of that with the Waffle and the Sandfield clubs uh, in particular was just too hard to uh, tee up so um, there has been a state game between WA and SA announced for next year Um, and the Waffle season is going to start earlier due to the AFL season starting later so they're going to take full advantage of that the TV show The Recruit has also been cancelled. I know that'll devastate no one, uh, <laughs> other than you know people who use it as a backdoor to get drafted this year, apparently. So it'll be interesting. In all seriousness, it'll be very interesting to see how the likes of Johan Wagner and did anyone else get picked up? Uh, Patrick Lucy, I think, was taken from The Recruit, but he um, is officially from Ireland. So ah uh, yes, um, so. It'll be interesting, particularly with uh, Johan, to see how he goes over at Port Adelaide. I mean, I don't think we can expect great things from him purely because he's coming from, you know, such a unique background as such, coming from a reality TV show. But, mm. you know, I mean, if he does well, it could potentially open the clubs up, open their eyes up to, you know, um, other recruiting streams other than sort of your senior level VFL or, you know, state leagues as such, maybe a few country leagues and so on and so forth. Uh, Indeed. There is still no resolution at the Adelaide Oval uh, in their review of the uh, contracts and whatnot there. Uh, Adelaide and Port Adelaide are still united in their attempts to get more money. 
Um, the AFL are involved there. The Premier wants a result by Christmas, apparently, or he will possibly seek to intervene. Uh, his options are fairly limited, as apparently the legislation and the contract governing Adelaide Oval is fairly rigid and doesn't leave the government with any room to move. Funny, uh, money brings everyone together, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. Well, the government didn't appoint anyone to look after the thing. They let football and cricket run the thing, which was a little bit stupid, but I'm not going to go into that because that's a rant that will take me forever. Um, At least we get Michelangelo Rucci involved in the debate. Yeah. Um, and, and suddenly he's got sources all over the place. He became, One time of the year, he becomes relevant to anyone. Uh, work has begun on the new Perth Stadium. Uh, which should be finished by 2018, apparently. But being WA, it'll probably run out of money or be cancelled or delayed until 2020. Uh, the, the Waffle Clubs over there are concerned that they won't get the returns they're currently experiencing at Patterson Stadium, um, which was a sample concern at Adelaide Oval. But My heart bleeds for them. I couldn't care less about either of them, to be perfectly honest. Um, in other state news, the VFL will be on Channel 7 next year. Uh, the ABC, of course, declining to continue to show the state competitions. The VFL being picked up uh, by Channel 7 will be shown on Channel 7's main channel on a Saturday, apparently, uh, which is better than the deal that they have in uh, the, the Sample has in Adelaide, where it's shown on a Sunday on uh, the digital channel 7 Mate, uh, unless there's like a, an AFL team, an AFL reserves game being shown for the most part. Uh, Sample games in Adelaide have outrated uh, AFL games shown in from Melbourne. In particular, yeah. A Richmond game last year was slaughtered by the Sample game shown on the same time. Which Richmond game was this, South Curiosity? I can't remember offhand, but I know it was a Richmond game played on a Sunday and it was outrated here in Adelaide by the Sam film. Doesn't happen, didn't happen too often, wasn't a regular occurrence, but... Um, the fact that it actually happens, though, is uh, slightly surprising. Well, the Adelaide, Port Adelaide, Sam Phil showdown rated pretty damn high as well. Um, so... Do they both have um, standalone clubs in the Sam Phil now? Or they, is... they, did, they did as of last season. Okay. So, it's... Uh, about time, really. Yeah. Um, where are we? Toby Green uh, has received a $2,500 fine from a uh, magistrate for his indiscretions. Very um, lucky boy. Takes his total fines to about $7,500, apparently. So, yeah. Anything caught your eye this week, uh, Og? Uh, no, not particularly. I mean, the only real point that keeps getting discussed is, uh, the Asada crap, to be honest, and, I mean, that's a never-ending saga, so... So where uh, are we? Where oh, are we? Elizabeth Luckin uh, got appointed as corporate, head of corporate affairs at the AFL, and, uh, uh well, surprising but unsurprising announcement, if that makes sense. Mm. Let's let's look at that a little bit because there is uh, some feeling on the Essendon board over this appointment, obviously, yeah, and even and even on the hot topic board, there's uh, there's been some discussion on this appointment. Uh, there's a, a feeling that this is a, a jobs for the boys thing that there's uh, your um, 
I know people are bringing politics into it. Um, uh, she's a good labour man. So, <laughs> and also the 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 timing of it all, right before the the tribunal case uh, into the Essendon Asada thing, to bring Liz Lucan on, who was appointed by well, who I think was appointed by the AFL to handle this for Essendon. Uh, I think, yeah, I think that's probably the important distinction to make and why it, um, the name Elizabeth Lucan, is it Lucan? Yes. Okay, we'll run with that anyway. About um, why she gets so much um, animosity from Essendon members is it's because it was it felt like that she was hired by the AFL to represent Essendon, but more particularly... The money was obviously coming from the AFL and she was representing the AFL's interests as opposed to being a privately uh, hired consultant to Essendon and acting on Essendon's interests. Mm. And she did. She ended up resigning about six months into that job. But um, resigning in the same way that um, Ian Robson resigned. <laughs> but um, so she, she left 17 months later. She's appointed to the AFL. I don't think there's anything in the timing. 17 months is a long time. In football, yeah, I don't think I don't think anyone's really claiming that the oh can well I don't think I don't know if there is anyone claiming it, but rather I don't think there's any um, credibility in it that there was some sort of deal seventeen months ago to say hey you know do it seventeen months and we'll appoint you to a like a an executive role at the AFL. I think it's more I think it is more of a case of jobs for the boys and. Um, you know, she has before the Essendon case. She is uh, she's acted on the AFL's uh, behalf before um, in a couple of cases. I believe once with the Gold Coast, and I think there was another case as well. I can't remember who it might have been the Bulldogs. Um, but you know, she's got a long-standing history of um, liaising with the AFL, and uh, I mean, at this point as well, there's also the aspect that she knows too much not to be on the payroll. So mm. I, I think. Ultimately, though, from an outside outsider's perspective, even though I am an Essendon supporter, uh, I think she does carry a bit too much baggage for the AFL. And personally, I don't think she's a good appointment, despite how qualified she may or may not be. But I mean, we all know what the AFL is like, and when they've got one of the fraternity available to um, induct full time, they do do it. Indeed. Now, speaking of deals that may or may or not have been made, Shane Charters. Uh, apparently has been revealed as being offered a job by Asada at uh, at the NRL, I think. Uh, yeah, um, that, that's an interesting one. Basically, uh, the Herald Sun had been bleeding on for about a week about um, a potential job offered to Charters from Asada. Now, as is the case with these things, when... Uh, a paper or a media outlet beats it up for about a week. It's normally pretty underwhelming relative to the hype. And again, we got that similar sort of concept here. Uh, basically, the Herald Sun leaked a couple of emails which were provided by Charters, which well, showed so that um, the uh, an Asada investigator, I think it was a Paul Simonson, yep, who uh, who you may remember as the guy who said who told the AFL, um, the Essendon players that he'd have to have rocks in his head to prosecute AOD nine six zero four, amongst other things. Um, basically, he's uh, said in an email dated I think it was October fifth or something like that, just for the timeline references, that uh, 
the NRL may have a position coming up in a anti-doping campaign where they feel like Charter as a, you know, um, reformed um, peddler and enabler of doping could play a role in it. Now, um, of course, given what Assad has been trying to do in elicit a, um, elicit testimony from our charters, I mean, it looks suspicious and let's be honest, it probably was used to, you know, um, elicit a, um, an understanding or an agreement, but at the same time, these things happen all over the place and it's, it didn't seem like it was a, um, you know, it wasn't some plush job that he wasn't, wasn't qualified for or whatever, so... There does seem to, to me, it, it doesn't make a lot of sense. Like, the story says that he went, uh, like, they, they got as far as running a police check on him, and when the police record, when his police record came to light, they basically canned the job. Well, they would have known that already. But th- we're talking about a guy who was widely reported as a, as a convicted uh, drug dealer. Exactly. So, so that's why I'm surprised why we're talking it, about this if a police check was going to say that, uh, yeah, no. Apparently, he's been convicted for a uh, you know drug charges. Something, something about this rings wrong. Yeah, but um, no, com- time, no comment from Asada on it either. So yeah, I don't think it was exactly at the. It wasn't at the absolute malicious level of the scale, so to speak. Mm. It, it, it wasn't a plum sort of position like, um, well, I'll stick you in the Australian embassy in um, New York or something like that. It's, <laughs> but at the same time it's pretty dodgy. Now, the other thing that's come through this week is uh, David Jones, the head of the AFL's anti-doping tribunal, has announced that he will uh, not allow public access to the tribunal hearing. Yep. Um, And I think that makes sense given that it's the players we're talking about this time, it's not the club itself. I think if it had been a club issue that we would have had a public hearing... But because it's individual players, uh, privacy's got to be protected and is probably mandated under the Asada Act anyway. So Exactly. I mean, let's say we had any other case. It, it wouldn't exact, media would exactly be allowed in. And the, AF, the uh, AFL has said that they will release uh, a brief of the evidence and the verdict and whatnot once it's all done, which yeah. to date they have been pretty open with that sort of thing yeah. despite... Some people thinking they shouldn't be. But, yeah, so the case will start next week, apparently. I think it starts on the 15th. It runs for a week, and then they adjourn for Christmas and New Year. And then yep. come back for another two weeks. They've allocated three weeks to deliver the evidence. Um, and the case, which does tell me that there's a little bit more than the two witnesses, some people seem to think everything hangs on. Uh, I'm not as convinced, but... I think the witnesses that they're chasing, and I've said this on the board, but uh, I think the witnesses that they're chasing, it is more to bolster the case, make sure all the I's are dotted, all the T's are crossed. But I don't think it's the be-all and end-all. Asada don't seem to think it's the be-all and end-all. Yeah. So. Uh, I'm, I'm still yet to be convinced about that. I'm, I'm, still, I'm not buying Ben McDevitt's uh, little roadshow quotes just at the moment yet. And I think it's... Uh, to quote Ings, and I do that at my own peril, I understand, but if you've got such a, a strong case, you don't really spend six figures of the public purse chasing subpoenas a couple of days before the hearing's meant to start. I think when your entire reputation rests on the case, though, you might uh, you might want to make sure you've got everything in place if you can. You might spend a little bit more to ensure that. 
I think that's the other aspect of it too, is that definitely within Asada, and I guess in the case of people like Ben McDevitt as well, um, their careers in some sense are on the line as well. Speaking of things, Asada's lawyers apparently were reported as saying that they shouldn't pursue this in the uh, at the tribunal or there's no case to be made here. Um, yeah, I've heard that before, that uh, there's been no communication between the executive at Asada and um, the obviously the lawyers and those involved in actually building the case in the first place. But Richard Ings... Uh, the former head of Asada, did say that there were plenty of times where lawyers said to him, don't bother pursuing this, and they did anyway. Um, and they had some success there. So it's... I, I don't make a lot out of that, to be honest. I don't make a lot out of much of what Richard Ng says, to be honest. I do think he's a disgruntled employee from the way he's been twittering away for the last couple of months. I do find it fascinating that he had a bit of a fallout with Martin Hardy, though. Oh, absolutely. I that, mean, that's that happened cool. during the week. Obviously, uh, I've had a great year, but... <laughs> Martin Hardy picking fights with Rita Panahi. I know she's a favourite over at Essendon. Yes, yes. Uh, <laughs> less said about her, the better. <laughs> this is this is the woman, and I kid you not, who earlier this year during the Australian Open bumped one of her photos on Facebook with Serena Williams because apparently she knows um, Serena Williams is chef or something like that bumped a photo of her with Serena Williams by putting a full stop in the comments so that people would see the photo again. Mm. That's actually a legitimate... That actually happened too, so... Mm. That says all you need to know about our little friend, Reader. <laughs> all right, leaving the Essendon saga behind and memberships have been on sale since about the middle of October for most clubs. Uh, the Adelaide and Port Adelaide memberships are just coming out now. But uh, Collingwood's figures looking reasonably good compared to last year. Hawthorne, Richmond, Fremantle are on target to hit 50,000, which will be a record for them. And uh, we'll put them into some very strong territory. St Kilda uh, on Twitter today announcing 22,500 members, uh, aiming for 25,000 by Christmas. It's a good start from them. That is a very good start. They've been very sluggish lately. The Swans were almost at 20,000, apparently, although I haven't been able to confirm that yet. That was uh, a Swans uh, person posting that into our membership thread. Lewis Jetta yet to sign up. Still apparently a bit late to get to that party as well. (laughs) Maybe he's just dragging his heels there. Um, Port Adelaide should go to the Christmas break with uh, with about 35,000 members at the moment based on their current figures. Um, but yeah, Essendon, uh, 33,000 as of Monday, I believe. Okay. So, and my... Uh, the um, Advantage people who just rolled over recently, so... Um, hmm. And my... Deductions. My beloved Blues at 24,000. Uh, dragging as always so there's some big membership problems there but I'm not going to go into that now there's big problems with Carlton in general there have been for a while can we discuss this next week I feel like we need a bit of therapy on your behalf <laughs> um, finally though uh, Eddie had um, now earlier in the year Gillan McLaughlin got a lot of grief for saying that he was going to try and do something about the price of chips and things at uh, 
at, at football games and people were pretty sceptical about whether he would do, be able to do anything about it. I didn't believe he could do anything about it because of the catering contracts and everything that uh, aren't held by the AFL, they're held by the stadiums themselves. That said, Eddie had have announced that they were running a trial at the end of the season for people to bring their own food and drink into the stadium. Okay. Um, from home. Uh, so, it's... How a, did that trial go? Well, a, a successful enough that they're still going to allow it. Um, they are running a trial over the summer for, on people being able to bring commercial food into the stadium, which is like Hungry Jack's and... Uh, you know, I think there's a subway near the uh, near the stadium. Uh, yeah, there's a subway, Nando's, uh, and of course you've got your Southern Cross just up the road. So there's Hungry Jack's, Red Rooster, and all that sort of stuff there. So as you'd expect, in pretty much right next to the CBD in Melbourne, there's a lot of uh, commercial outlets. Eddie had have announced that uh, you, you, the food and drink trial that they ran was successful, and so that's expected to run. You'll be able to bring your own food and drink into the stadium next season, which will help people. Yeah. Um, in terms of whether it's Subway or, or what, Nando's or whatever's around the stadium, they're running a trial on that over the summer, so you may or may not be able to bring commercial food and drink in, depending on how that goes next season. To be honest, I'd be surprised and not all that disappointed if they don't allow it, because um, after all, they do have catering stuff, but if you can bring your own food and drink in, that's that's a, a start for sure, especially if you're a family. And... Uh, well- you can pack a lunch and bring it with you. Well, the other option for um, the AFL in regards to this is simply to buy the stadium out, which um, which is uh, something that um, Brian Cook has just recently brought up as well. That within the next twelve months, the AFL could do this. This this comes up every 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 off season. It comes up during the season as well, occasionally, but. Uh... Uh, lots of people have been bullish on this. Eddie McGuire has suggested it in the past. I think they're literally waiting for the new TV deal uh, to be done. Now, the AFL have apparently told the TV networks that they expect $1.7 billion for this, uh, which is a $100 million a year increase. I don't think they're going to get it, but um, whatever they do, they're going to uh, use the funds from that to uh, probably buy Eddie Head. They're looking for a 10-year deal. Um, which will be interesting to see. And rumours abound that they will do uh, games on the AFL website, live games on the AFL website now, instead of the 12-hour delay that we have. But uh, it would only be like one exclusive live game to the AFL website. Probably a Saturday afternoon twilight game, if I was to have a guess. Well, that's the one that Telstra have at the moment. Yeah, and I imagine that that's probably what they're... Go on. Yeah, no, no, and and it makes sense that that would be the one, given that the AFL used uh, Telstra as their internet host as well. Yeah. So Telstra really wouldn't have much to lose by it. Um, and uh, also- just out of curiosity, um, it's been talked about, I mean, this sort of broadly approaches on the subject, but uh, have we talked about um, the club's reporting seasons as of yet? We did talk about it a little bit last week. And there is a, a, if you pay attention to the footy industry board, there is a, a thread there that covers this sort of stuff because it's, it's one of the things that I follow religiously. Yes, um, yes, uh, you do some fine work on that thread and that board in general. But uh, we can tell you, if you didn't hear last week, that uh, Brisbane and uh, 
St Kilda have uh, made nearly $4 million in losses each this year. Um, Essendon turned over 721000 in profit this year. Uh, well down from their $2.6 million in reported... I, I, there's something dodgy with the Essendon figures in that there's no allowances for legal costs this year. Insurance, I think. Which is uh, still... It still should, should still be reported, though. Like whether insurance covers it or not is irrelevant. Um, it, it'd be a major expense and it should be itemised on the report. Uh, in terms of gaming revenue... Um, yeah, a lot of a lot of people are down. I think uh, Brisbane's is up from fifteen million from thirteen million. Carlton's is down. Collingwood's is up uh, about a million from twenty two million to twenty three million. So fun stuff. Um, Essendon pulling in ten point eight million from membership revenue. So, um, any clubs in particular there that catch your eye? The uh, the St Kilda losses are beginning to worry me because uh, they've reported several multi million dollar ones that just aren't sustainable. Brisbane Brisbane's aren't sustainable either, but the AFL's not going to let Brisbane go down, and uh, Brisbane might relocate. St Kilda are going to be a candidate for relocation at, at this rate. All right, there's, um... there's just no way that this is a and. I don't. I don't like relocation. I don't like clubs folding. I'm not a big fan of it. Um, I didn't like it when it happened to Fitzroy, but St Kilda, unless there's a massive turnaround, are uh, going to find themselves staring down the barrel of a of a relocation at some point. All right. Um, in your opinion, for St Kilda, let's uh, prognosis wise, five, ten years. Best, worst-case scenario over those years? They've got to get back into finals contention. It's the only way you make money. Um, they've got to get out of their current Etihad deal and make more money from that. Um, Did that force the AFL's hand to go early with Etihad, ahead of the right steal? Uh, look, North made a profit this year. The Bulldogs haven't reported yet. So it's, it's hard to tell what the other clubs are doing. North's report... Uh, North didn't report a massive profit um, and their annual report still hasn't come out yet so we're, we're still waiting for some details there. I I, I think the, that St Kilda is going to be the straw that broke the AFL's back in terms of buying Eddie had. I, I, I think uh, the losses just are going to mandate it. And there is there is extra revenue to be had from Eddie had. Like people are thinking that uh, the AFL is not going to make any money from Eddie had. Um, and the club deals won't change. I think they're wrong. Um, Eddie had has to currently pay dividends to private shareholders. The AFL won't have to do that. Eddie had will have to. Um, Eddie had uh, also take massive amounts of revenue from car parking, uh, catering, corporate boxes. Uh, the return on corporate boxes that Eddie had is pitifully low. It's like I saw. It's about like one hundred and eighty bucks per five thousand dollar box, or something like that. Yeah, it's 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 twenty five percent in some cases of the average uh, entry fee per head and in a corporate box. So whatever whatever they pay per corporate box, the the your return you'll get is still based on the standard admission fee to the yeah. stadium. So they're not making much at all. Essendon are probably on a far better deal than that, given that they negotiated theirs beforehand, so they may be getting a better return on it. 
but the other clubs aren't. Even Carlton aren't. Carlton's deal is only better because they got an upfront payment to go there of two and a half million dollars, um, which they used to retire debt on the uh, legend stand. So, so effectively, right now Carlton's deal is the equivalent of St Kilda's and the Bulldogs. I think there's some variances, but they're not huge because the Eddie Head Stadium would like to retain Carlton because it's one of its better drawing teams. Uh, Carlton wanted to go to the MCG. They shift uh, another game to the MCG next year, so they go from hosting four games to five. I know Essendon's sort of similar next year as well, is that they've got an extra game at the MCG as well. That's partly because Eddie, the Eddie Head Stadium contract allows for a variance in the number of games next year. It uh, goes, it's 44 down to 40? Yeah, it goes down from 44 to 40. So clubs like St Kilda, Richmond, Hawthorne, uh, uh, not sorry, St Kilda, North Melbourne and the Western Bulldogs uh, will continue to carry the load at Etihad Stadium with Carlton and Essendon making up most of the other games that are still there. Um, and the other clubs in Melbourne pretty much playing one game each at Etihad as they have been in the past, which I'll have you know is pretty much the same thing that applied at Waverley when that was in operation, all clubs had to play at least one game uh, a season at uh, at Waverley, one home game. So, okay. yeah. Um, I'm actually, I'm just particularly interested with um, St Kilda's position as well because I, I noticed that their net assets as well were it's, beyond... It's very the- low. And they make fuck all from their, um, from their social club, so... And I noticed their spending was down this year too on last year as well. Yeah. Uh, that, where did they go? It, they've got massive... They've got identity problems as well in that they completely... They're the only club in the league that owns the freehold on their own stadium and yet they continue to move to places like Seaford, which are massively unpopular. Now they're talking about going to the Junction. And they're only leasing it too. Now they're talking to the Junction Oval and just go back to Moorabbin. Stay with your roots. You don't. It's a training facility at best. You're not going to play home games there. Um, but if um, the Victorian Federal and the AFL and Cricket Victoria were to pitch in, and uh, or Cricket Australia rather, one of the two, were to pitch in and build this thing for St Kilda and um, Cricket Victoria, would this uh, would this help their situation at all, or is this more no. of a cultural identity that it's, you're talking about? I, I don't know what the, it's a cultural thing. Um, I don't. Once the AFL buys Eddie had, they're not going to play games at Junction Oval. Um, that won't happen because the AFL won't want to lose the revenue from Eddie had. So there, there's almost literally no point to this unless the AFL decides not to buy Eddie had. In which case, you know you can get ten years worth of games at Junction. I think it's fair to say that um, St Kilda's invested a hell of a lot in Chris Pelchin. There's a lot more to it than that. Uh, it's. You, I, I, I know, but it's like you said before, without onset, on-field success to come in the coming years, then they've, they've really... They failed to capitalise on their sort of six, seven-year period they had from 04 through to about 2011. Yeah, well, you, uh, if you don't capitalise on your window, yep. you, you, you screw yourself over. Uh, the Bulldogs did roughly the same as well, like... You're making preliminary finals. You've got to take that next step. Uh, you, you just got to solidify yourself. Like I mean, St Kilda were about forty odd thousand members in um, 2010, and they were turning over a multi-million dollar profit. But 
since 2010, it's just been loss after loss after loss, I think. so. No investments, no... I mean, what, they've gone to New Zealand. Uh, where else were they playing home games? Canberra? Uh, was that Canberra or was that, Mel- was that just Melbourne and the Bulldogs? Yeah, no, that was just Melbourne and the Bulldogs, I think. St. Kilda Pioneer were one of the pioneers. They were, Kilda, of, they were in Tassie, weren't they? Yeah, they were one of the pioneers. They were down there in Siren Gate. It's, it's ironic. There was a huge article a couple of months back on the differences between St. Kilda and Hawthorne. Absolutely. I and, think they're the two... And the, the sliding doors difference. moments that literally changed, like Hawthorne. Like Hawthorne are now, you know, St. Kilda literally abandoned... Uh, Tasmania, there's quotes from St Kilda officials that back that up. Um, Hawthorne went down there, they made a commitment to the place and that's, you know, Hawthorne were almost broke at the start of the century and, yep. you know, now now they've got, like, millions in the bank, they've got massive facilities, uh, they've got Waverley Park, which was a St Kilda home ground. Yeah. But they've got Waverley Park for a dollar, I think, or something yeah, stupid something like, like that. that. So yeah, I think it was a dollar. Yeah. And so they um you know, just the differences that that happened, uh, that made Hawthorne literally into a financial powerhouse and St Kilda they have lurched from Morabin to the linen house at Seaford to uh you know, and probably to New Zealand. Um it's like they keep trying to find a quick fix and they just can't find a long-term viable solution and, you know, trust themselves enough to uh, to see it through. And, I mean, mm. even the Pelchin thing, uh, I mean, was about the first thing where they've actually shown some courage, uh, dedica- dedicated themselves to a vision and sort of proceeding along it, mm. and they've just sacked him as well. So, yeah. I, I'm more concerned about their financial performance than anything else, and I think that can be solved, A, by winning. Yeah, you've but that's got, what I mean. You've I got to win. That on-field performance and uh, the financial happenings outside the club tend to go hand-in-hand. Hand. Just a, a few years where they don't get bad press will be inordinately useful for them. And, uh, yeah. So, that's St Kilda for you. Um... The Bulldogs going to Ballarat is another interesting one. Uh, ki- effectively kicking North Melbourne out. North Melbourne spitting the dummy and dumping uh, North Ballarat as its affiliate from next season. Uh, I find it quite interesting um, on the topic of that. Um, North Melbourne's continued presence and uh, commitment to Hobart. Uh, as in, I find that interesting in a longer term sense rather than a you know immediate term as opposed to the Ballarat zoning. But um, I think that's uh, it's an interesting little subplot that hasn't probably got the attention that it might one day get in hindsight, the whole Ballarat and Hobart shenanigans. I, just, I, I don't know who initiated the conversation, but the deal with the Bulldogs was done by Ballarat City Council. Um, why they didn't talk to North is something that baffles me. If North were involved, either North said no or they didn't want North. I wouldn't be surprised if they didn't want North because, I mean, just from my casual observance, you know, you don't really associate North Melbourne with Ballarat because, you know, you don't really see them out there that often. You don't really hear of them or anything like that. Um, 
I mean, that's just my casual sort of outside perspective, but uh, I could be completely wrong, but it didn't seem like North Melbourne truly embraced the Ballarat region as much as it could have. No. Especially, especially once Eureka Stadium... Was, is it Eureka Stadium? Oh, I think so. Yeah, once it um, didn't get its funding to get upgraded, then uh, then it didn't exactly um, get fully embraced to probably the fullest extent that North Melbourne could have, uh, which I think is something that uh, the Bulldogs have kind of latched onto. And are they playing games out there next year? Um, I think they're playing one or something. I can't remember. Yeah, because I, I remember reading something about them wearing a Eureka Stockade-style Guernsey. Mm. So I mean, I mean that probably highlights the extent to which the Bulldogs are willing to get behind that commitment. Whereas North Melbourne seem to put all their eggs in the Hobart basket at the moment. Yeah, well, I reckon that's about all we've got for tonight, Matt. Yeah, uh, I think Dean, we've a bit. Dean Cox uh, could have played with Carlton apparently, but turned Mick Malthouse down. Well, that's interesting. Um, I haven't actually read the article to find out why. Um, didn't lower himself to that level, no doubt. <laughs> I think I've only managed to see one article on someone training the house down. Um, only the I can't remember who it was, but uh, <laughs> there's, there's bound to be more over the summer. In fact, uh, we're going to dedicate ourselves to bringing you these uh, ridiculous articles on hats and things like that. We're going to search for them. We're going to bring them to you every week. Um, we're going to keep running over the summer. So that, don't, yeah, don't doubt us. Don't, oh, I'll give up on that one. <laughs> I'm obviously not training the house down when it comes to um, self-promotion and uh, new initiatives, but we'll get there. We'll train that house down. We'll get a hat. We'll get a nice shiny hat to uh, celebrate that moment when we do. I think we'll be much better prepared for next week, but thank you very much for coming on, Prosecutor. Always a pleasure, uh, mate. Og cat, whatever you call yourself these days. Uh, I should probably go back to Prosecutor. I might have to send a message out to Chief and see what we can do about that. <laughs> um, I, of course, have been the Wookie. Thank you very much for listening. We'll see you all on the forums. Beautiful. We're all going on a summer holiday. No more working for a week or two. Fun and laughter on a summer holiday. No more worries for me or you. For a week or two We're going where the sun shines brightly We're going where the sea is blue We've seen it in the movies Now let's see if it's true Everybody has a summer holiday Doing things they always wanted to So we're going on a summer holiday to make our dreams come true